Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco De Barros. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8. I want to talk to you today about the tension between grace and truth. I've, I've hinted at it those last couple of times that I spoke to you, but I want to take a little bit of a deeper look at this because uh, the Bible says, and I want to read John 1 to you, but you go to John 8, but here's what the Bible says in John 1, 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came with grace and truth. And he didn't just come with grace and truth as a philosophy, but he came with grace and truth as a lifestyle. Like Jesus came to live out what it means to be a person of grace and truth. Because I told you a couple of weeks ago that we all have a tendency to follow one side or the other. You know, some of us, it's easy for us to connect with grace. And some of us, it's easy for us to connect with truth. But if you're going to follow Jesus, it has to be both. The tension has to exist. And, and that's really the point of Christianity is to be like Christ. The point of Christianity was never for us to be good people or to be, do religious things. The point of Christianity is to become more and more like the person that Jesus created us to be. You know, to, to, to get away from the sinful person and to become more and more like the person that he created before sin existed. Can you say amen? And so he didn't come to just die for our sins. He came to show us how to live this life full of grace and full of truth. And John chapter 8 is one of the greatest, uh, to me, uh, perfect illustrations, a live illustration of what it means to live in this tension between grace and truth. It, it's a powerful story that I want us to kind of walk through to see that Jesus doesn't just say he came with grace and truth. Jesus embodies grace and truth. And Jesus wants his people to embody grace and truth. Like Jesus wants us as his people to live in this tension between grace and truth. And when you're walking with Jesus, the more you walk with him, the more that gets on you. Right? We don't come to church just to check out our religious thing. No, we came because we want to get closer to Jesus. We want to be closer to his will and to his purpose and to his plans for our lives. Can you say amen? Right? But obviously, the question is, how do you do that when you live in a society that's not very graceful? And we live in a society that's not very truthful. Right? How many of you guys are watching the news and you're like, but what is the truth? Yeah. Like, can we get to the truth? Because <laughs> everybody has a spin on this thing. Emails, no emails, Russians. I mean, I mean, what is the truth? Like, well, I don't know about you, but every time I hear a politician talk, I'm like, okay, but what is the truth, though? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the society we live in. You know, not very truthful and not very graceful. But then you got to take it a step further. Sometimes we're not the graceful ones. And sometimes we're not very truthful ourselves. Hello, somebody. Let's bring it a little bit closer to home. It's one thing to look at a politician and say, you're not graceful, you're not truthful, but I got to look at my life too. And I got to say, am I living the grace-filled life and the truth-filled life that Jesus called me to live? Can you say amen? And so this is what I want to look at today. And I believe this, this life that Jesus calls us to live, it's only possible by the power of his Holy Spirit. Like, we don't have it in us to be graceful on our own. And we don't have it in us to be truthful on our own. Because the blame game started in the beginning with Adam and Eve. You know, that's all it started. And then it got on us. And so God now is working on us to say, we've got to get that stuff off of you so you become a person of grace and truth. Can you say amen? And the Holy Spirit is the one that comes to teach us how to live this life. I'm getting some feedback on my mic here. Um, should, I, should, I, should I switch it? Bring the other one here. Because uh, I don't want to keep doing this. 
then I'm going to lose my grace. <laughs> and then this message might switch to something we don't want it to be. And then God's going to deal with me. He's like, yeah, but you let the mic get in the way. Okay. I still hear it. It's a test. Help me, Jesus. All right, so if you're there, John chapter 8 reads like this. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them, like, like we're doing right now. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him. Please remember that. Are we working on this thing? Because I still hear it. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote, in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. The church got reduced to two people. (laughs) Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Can you say amen? (laughs) The tension is there between grace and truth. And if you're paying attention to life, there's always a tension between grace and truth. We're constantly living in this tension between grace and truth. And this passage, this story, is a great illustration of how Jesus was able to not just talk about grace and truth, but he was able to embody it and teach it and live it. And he wants his people to live the same way. He wants his people to be a people of grace, but also he wants his people to be a people of truth. And if we're taking him seriously, that's the tension we have to live with. It's a beautiful tension. It's a a great tension. Because if you have one without the other, you'll miss the will of God. You'll miss the purpose of God. You'll miss the direction that God wants you to live your life in. Can you say amen? Before we go any further, we have to define grace and truth. What does he mean by grace and truth? Well, grace means this. Grace means God's unmerited favor. Okay, Grace, you don't deserve it. You don't earn it. Grace is a gift that God has given to humanity, right? A lot of times you hear people talk about, I deserve, I don't this, I don't. But the, the, when, when it comes to grace, God says, all of you don't deserve it. Yeah. Like, he didn't say, my grace is for the religious. No, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's his grace. Yeah. Like, he gave his son for whoever believes in him. In other words, anyone that says, I'm, I want your gift of grace can have it. Like, he gave it to anyone. There's no, there's no reservations 
of Greece. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be a certain color. You don't have to make a certain amount of money. You, like, the only thing that levels the playing field when it comes to humanity is grace. Grace puts everybody on the same level. Everything else in society has a category. God has one category, all, when it comes to grace. He looks at us as one, right? We're like, yeah, but I didn't do this, I didn't do that. It's not about what you did, didn't do. It's the fact that you need the grace of God. Yeah. And it's, only, it's a gift. You can only receive it. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. It's God's gift to you. Can you say amen? But then the same coin has the other side, which is truth. He didn't say just, I came with grace. He said, I came with truth. Truth is the indisputable fact. In other words, there are things that God already said that doesn't change. That's what truth is. Truth does not change with the person. Truth is truth no matter what because God has already established this is the truth. Okay? Truth is not subjective like our society likes to make it. Truth is not relative. You ever heard talk to people that, yeah, that's your truth. It's like if it's truth, it's a universal truth. It it can't just be my truth or your truth. It has to be universal. It has to be what God said is truth. Like if it's truth in America, it has to be truth in Africa. It has to be truth in the Middle East. And and it has to be truth in the morning. It has to be truth at night. It has to be truth in in good situations. It has to be truth in bad situations. Like truth cannot change. It's indisputable fact. Right? But the struggle with humanity is we, we, we like truth to be like a buffet. Right? We, we, we want the truth to be like a buffet. You, you, want to, you go to a buffet, what do you do? You pick and choose. That's the beauty of a buffet. But the problem is when we translate that into life, now we have a mess. When we kind of like pick and choose what we like about truth. Right? So when I say God loves the world, everybody's like, yeah, God is love. But if you keep reading that same scripture, John 3.16, and you go to 17, you go to 18, you go to 19, and he says, yeah, but the world loves darkness more than it loves light. See, John 3.16 makes a great devotional, but John 3.19 brings conviction. Come on, talk to me. It's not, it's not, truth is not a preference. Truth is truth no matter what. Like, I don't, I don't make up truth. If I do, it's a lie. Right? And, and, and so God's people have to wrestle with the tension of, okay, I believe this, but what does the truth says? Because truth is not a personal preference. Okay, truth is not a buffet. God never said, hey, my truth is like a buffet. If you like it, great. If you don't, <laughs> good vibes. Because that's the society we live in. We want to pick and choose what we want to be true, and we want to pick and choose what we want to ignore. But the problem is the moment you start to do that, you don't end up with God's will anymore. You end up with your will. You end up with your thing. God's thing is filled with grace and truth. Like, God's, God's grace and truth is like this. It's, it's, it's awesome, it's powerful, it's comfortable, but it also is very uncomfortable at the same time. Because God is not trying to let you stay where you are. He's trying to take you on a journey to where you're supposed to be, to be who you're called to be in the first place. Like, God is not okay with your comfort zone. Now, Pastor Ron gave a great message last week, but if, he said, right? That's the problem with humanity. If we yield ourselves to God's grace and truth. See, a lot of people don't see God's fullness because they don't yield themselves to his grace and truth. Some want the benefits of grace, but they don't want the reality of truth. Come on, talk to me. That's the reality, right? When confronted, we, we're going to have to make a decision. Do I yield myself to what God says or do I continue to do my thing but then call it religion? 
because that's the struggle of humanity. We like extremes. We like, we like to be on one side or the other. Right? But God is saying, no, I want you to be in this tension between the two. I want you to live in that tension. I don't want you to take the easy way out to just say, this is what I believe. Does he align himself with what God says? When I came to faith, I realized a lot of things I believed was wrong. Come on, you haven't met with God until you realize, like, wait, wait a minute. I was doing it all wrong. Like, this is not God's will at all. Like, I, I, I'm way off. Like, the way they told me to be a man was very different from what God says to be a man. Like, I was way off when it comes to truth about what it means to be a man of God. And so I had to make a decision. Do I yield myself to that or do I continue to do this and call it what I want to call it? Right? And, you, and this, is, this answers a great question. People say, why there's so many religions in the world? Because we don't want to yield to God. Why there's so many philosophies? Why there's so many things? Because we don't want to yield. We want it to be our way. So we say things like, all oh, religion leads to God. But the truth is, when I read this, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So now, I, I have a dilemma. Am I right? Is God wrong? Right? That's that tension. Right? I want something to be truth so bad, but does it align itself with what God says? Like, I can, I can be doing a puzzle, and I want a piece to fit so bad, I can pound it in. That doesn't mean it fits. I can pound it and be like, yep, yep, it fits. Then you look at a puzzle, you're like, that's not the picture. Come on, you're catching this. The reason why our lives are so distorted sometimes is not aligning itself with God's grace and truth. It looks more of a Frankenstein version than the real version. Come on, you're following. And so this passage is powerful because Jesus is, is doing so much here to help us wrestle with this reality of grace and truth. See, he was teaching like this. And this group of religious people called the Pharisees, which at that time in Jesus' day, that was one of the biggest religious sects of the time, very respected people. In society, everybody looked up to them because they knew the law of Moses and that you could interpret the law of Moses. But when it came to Jesus, they had a problem because Jesus was not into external religion. In other words, Jesus was not into the appearance of religion. He wasn't into the appearance of looking good. Jesus will always go straight to the heart and that confronted them because you can have law but not have changed hearts. Can I prove it to you? See, we have laws, but those laws don't change people's hearts. Right? We can have laws upon laws upon laws. We, we still have jails. Why? Because people break the law all the time. So the law is not the point. The heart is the point. The law was meant to point us to truth. And grace was meant to change us so we can actually live within the confines of God's law and be blessed by it. Not just to point out what the law is. It's to have a heart transformation. Right? If, if today you're going home and you're feeling really good and you're doing 80 on the highway and you get stopped by the cops and he gives you a ticket, question is, did the ticket change your heart? <laughs> it's the law. But it doesn't mean it changes your heart. Right? A heart transformation doesn't need a cop. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Are you following like a heart transformation doesn't need someone to keep pointing to the law, right? The law was meant to have you point at, see the law and say, wait, I can't do this. I need change. I need transformation. And this is where the Pharisees missed it. 
So they come to Jesus and they put this woman in front of the church assembly. And they say, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. What do you have to say about that? Now, first of all, we got to address adultery because that's a serious thing. Right? Adultery is not God's will. God has a plan for every area of your life, including your sexuality. Again, if this is the word of God, that's what he says. That he has a plan even for your sexuality. He said, I created a male and female, and I blessed them to be a blessing. In other words, God has a plan even for your sexuality. That's supposed to be marriage between a man and a woman where your sexuality becomes a blessing to each other. Like it's an intimacy thing. It's a romantic thing, but it's also a reproduction thing that God created in the first place. So i got to ask the question, when it comes to my sexuality, am I living it according to God's will? I can do whatever I want. Obviously, that's free will. But Christianity means I yield myself to God's will for my life, which is so much better than my will. Right? Why does relationships struggle so much in our society? I would present to you that we don't live according to God's will. We do it our way, and we want God to bless it. And then things get out of whack, and then we blame God for how things get. So let's make this clear. Adultery is a serious issue because it's not God's will. God's will is that a man and a woman would be married and they would be blessed and their sexuality is sacred. You know that in the Bible, sexuality is as sacred as your race? One of the biggest challenges of our society right now is race. But God created you with a certain race in mind and it's that sacred. It's not meant to be violated. That's why racism is an evil thing. Because God created you and he, and he said, I created them from all walks of life. Yeah. And if you read the scriptures, it says one day when, when we get to heaven, it says they'll be from all tribes, all nations, all language, all backgrounds. Like, that's God's will. So any form of racism violates God's will. And any form of sexuality outside of marriage also violates God's will. Getting quiet on me, but it's God's word. Right? It's God's word. He said that. Right? He said, I want you to be blessed. And the way you're going to be blessed is to protect this thing between a man and a woman so that I'm in the middle of it and it's going to be a blessing. So, yeah, we have a situation here where adultery is wrong, just like any other sexual activity. I want to make that clear because the problem with the Pharisees is this. They were picking and choosing what they want to highlight. That's the problem with religion. We'll pick and choose what we want to highlight. So this is the problem with truth becomes a buffet. We're like, yeah, but. God said that, but. Come on. Right? That's the problem with us. God said that, but I'm in love, though. But he said marriage. He didn't say love. He said marriage. He said commitment. He said, like, long term. Like, he said... I didn't come up with it. He came up with it. When I got saved, I had to surrender my sexuality to the Lord if I was going to be a man of God. Come on, talk to me. This is God's will for us. Why? To bless us. God doesn't have any law that doesn't bless people. It's all to bless people. So, yeah, so, so they bring this up, but the problem is, if you keep reading, is that the fact is they brought this woman up just to trap Jesus. 
which tells you, you could be religious but have all the wrong motives. They didn't care about adultery. They didn't care about this woman because if they did, they would have followed the protocol of the law. This was not the protocol. The protocol was, if this really happened, I, I looked it up, and they said, this barely happened because it's adultery. How can you catch someone in adultery if you're not really looking for it? And if they really want to follow protocol, then where's the guy? It takes two. See, religion with no grace will always want to highlight certain sins over others. They want to put some people on blast over others. This is what he's dealing with. They, 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 they brought her, and she's in adultery, but it's all done wrong. Because that's what religion does. It's all about outward appearance. It's all about looking good. doesn't matter who we hurt in the process. There was no question about this woman. Listen, she was caught in the act of adultery. Get your mind there. Like she could be naked in the middle of assembly like this. Who would want to be put on blast that way? Who in their right mind want to put someone on blast like that? People who don't care about people. This is why it's not just truth. It's truth and grace. This is why Jesus stoops down and begins to write, and there's been questions over the years. What was he writing? I think Jesus was broken. Hey, man, you've reduced law to this? To exposing people? To hurting people? In the name of religion? You see, religion without grace leads to ISIS. All the wrong motives. Religious without grace leads to witch hunts and categories. People say, how can they be religious? No, you could be religious and miss God. We see it all the time. There's a lot of religious people who don't have the heart of God at all. And these Pharisees were displaying their hearts. They don't even understand how much they were saying about who they are by this action in the name of truth. God cares about the motives of our hearts. See, God doesn't just care about the action. He cares about why did you do that. The motive is as important to him as the action. You can do a good thing with the wrong heart. So they exposed something, but they didn't do it the right way. I don't know when we're going to realize that having arguments on Facebook doesn't win anybody. I don't think the goal is to be right. I think the goal is to be righteous. I think there's a difference. They ask this to trap them, the Bible says. Religion with wrong motives. Where is the guy? See, legalism is this. is is law with no grace. That's what that is. When we just point to the law. See, legalism focuses on the external appearance instead of internal transformation. They didn't care about the woman. Because if they did, it would have followed protocol. It would not have been in a full assembly like this. If we really care about 
helping someone, we wouldn't put them on blast on Facebook. It would be a direct message between you and I, a private conversation we're going to have about this. It's not about me being right. It got, got to a point now that I don't know about you, but this is what I tell people when they get a little bit, you know. My question is, are we going to have a conversation or a confrontation? Because I already have kids. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to adults. See, I want to be a pastor, not a babysitter. There's a difference. They didn't care about her. Because if they did, it wouldn't go down that way. See, I want to give you some misconceptions about truth. That I think it's important as God's people. Again, if you're taking Jesus seriously, there are some misconceptions we need to work through. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. The misconception of, I'm just telling you the truth. It's not biblical. The Bible doesn't call you to just tell the truth. Again, I'm saying it if, if, if this is what we want. If we want God's will, we can't just say, I'm just telling you the truth. Because there's a lot of ways to tell the truth. And the Bible says to do it this way. Can I show it to you? Ephesians says, look. Instead, we will speak the truth in, in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So if I'm going to speak the truth, if I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to speak it with the motive of love. There's got to be a motive bigger than just the truth. Because there's many ways to tell the truth. There's many ways to preach. I could come here and be preaching the truth. But prayfully, I take this very seriously that, Lord, I want to speak your word with love because I'm accountable to you. Like, I have to answer to how I'm going to speak your word. So it's not just telling the truth. It's the motive of the truth. Can I tell you this? Another truth misconception. Truth is not a license to be a jerk. Like, truth is not a card to say, look, it's the truth. Deal with it. I'm yet to see someone tell me, man, I came to Jesus. Why? Because that guy was such a jerk to me. He was so mean to me that it made me feel like I need Jesus in my life. Like, I, could, I couldn't wait to get to church because that guy was telling me, man, how much God hates me and he, he can't stand my sin. And, and I'm so glad he told me because here I am. No, the Bible says his goodness leads to repentance. It's his goodness that leads to change, not jerks. I don't know about you, but, man, it's one of the frustrating things about, you know, church and Christianity. There's a lot of jerks in the name of religion. There's a lot of people that know a lot of Bible verses. But none of it seasoned with grace. You know, the Bible says, go on to say, you gotta, your word should be seasoned with grace. You ever had rice with no salt? It's disgusting. Like, I'm Keith Vernon, and we have rice religiously. But rice with no salt is like eating cardboard. Right? Now, get that image. Truth with no grace is like throwing cardboard at people. He said season with grace. Like, it's got to have flavor. It's got to have flavor. Please write this down. The goal is not to be right. That's overrated. 
We can win arguments and lose people. Married people, if you're bad on being right, your marriage is going to suffer. Parents, if all you want to do is be right, your kids are going to hate you. It's got to be deeper than being right. It's got to be about being righteous. There's a difference. I don't want to just be right. I want to be righteous. I want to have the right heart, the right mind, the right perspective to go with what we're talking about. The goal is not to win arguments. It's to win people. Here's another misconception. Truth is all black and white. Some of it is, yes, true. But when I, when I studied Jesus' life, he approached every person individually and uniquely. I encourage you to go study Jesus and how he did it. Every situation, no matter how difficult, Jesus always approached people based on who they are. But he never not have the tension between grace and truth. Go read just John. And look at, the, look, at the, look at the every interaction he had with people. John chapter 3, he speaks with Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, right? He's a Pharisee. He could be like bashing him. He could be like going crazy. But he, he talked to him with grace and truth. Like he doesn't sugarcoat truth, but he tells the truth with grace. Samaritan, chapter 4, no one would talk to a woman in public. No one would talk to Samaritans. They're outcast. Jesus goes and talks to her, but he doesn't sugarcoat the fact that, listen, you, 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 you need to work on your marriage situation. Chapter 5, he talks to a cripple. You would think, man, Jesus is talking to a cripple. He asked the guy, do you want to get well? Like, who would ask a cripple if they want to get well? Yeah. Sounds like a dumb question, but Jesus, no, you may not want to be well because you like being on welfare. Come on. That's grace. You want to get well? You know what he says to him? Pick up him at and walk. That's truth. Like, you got to carry some weight here. I'm not going to pick up him at for you. Sometimes we empower people in their dysfunction in the name of grace. Keep going. John chapter 6, John chapter 7, John chapter 8. Like every situation, Jesus is talking to people individually with them, but he's talking to them in grace, but also talking to them with truth. The tension is always there, and he says, I want you to be like that. Every situation is unique. Here's another one. People say, yeah, but it's the truth that sets you free. Jesus said that. He did. But he says, in love. <laughs> it's not truth with no love in it. would never set anyone free. Can I prove it to you? He was talking to the same group of Pharisees. Because they were on him again. Law. Outward appearance. And look what he says to them about that. Look. He says, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. He says, I want you to show mercy. That scripture that you just, that you just quoted is supposed to be filled with mercy. Yes, God doesn't like adultery, but God loves the woman. You know how many times we miss this? You see, quote-unquote, religious people in front of abortion clinics. God hates abortions, but God loves that little girl that's broken. Oh that breaks God's heart. Because where's the grace? With the truth. That was ne- he never calls us to be referees. 
You see signs. God hates fags. You think God co-signs that? You actually think Jesus co-signs? Jesus will be the one there talking with them. Because grace will save. Truth doesn't condone. There's a tension there. But he's not afraid of it. He's not afraid to live in it. Truth will set you free when it's filled with grace. But let's talk about grace misconceptions. Because if you're a grace person, you just love that whole segment. If you're a truth person, you're tight. Grace people are like, see, that's what I've been saying. <laughs> now a pastor said it. Now they're going to get it. Well, let's talk about the other side. Truth people, I know you're a little tight right now, but let's, this, we'll see, this will, like, release some things. Grace people, you ready? Here's the grace misconceptions, because there's some grace misconceptions. We all have it. Number one is, only God can judge me. Have you heard that? The problem with that is, Tupac said it, not the Bible. (laughs) Have you noticed, grace people love cute quotes. Oh, they love it. Grace people are the ones on Facebook, good vibes only. They're like, oh, so no truth, right? It's just good vibes only, no matter what. You know? Oh, it's so good, I'm going to share it. Grace, truth, love for God to love the world, but they won't keep reading. <laughs> God to love the world, that's why I stop. It's my stop, my bus stop of truth. Goes this far. You know? But here's the thing, the Bible makes it clear. Grace is not a license to keep sinning. Grace was never like, okay, here's your grace, so stay there. He didn't say, they didn't accuse you, great, good vibes, see you later. He said, they didn't accuse you, neither do I, but go in, sin no more. You don't stay here, you go ahead. You, go, you, 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 gotta, you gotta move now into the grace of God. Watch this, Romans says this, watch this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that the good vibes of the Lord Jesus Christ will stay upon us? Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not! Why would you stay there? He came to set you free, to move forward towards his will. Look, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Grace empowers you to get out of your sin. Not to stay in it. Can you, can you imagine Jesus going to that extreme to die, to rose again for you to stay the same? Makes no sense. No, he rose again to give you new life. It's a good name for a church. Amen. Here's another one. Here's another misconception. I'll give, you, I'll give you this one through a picture. Have you ever seen this picture? Say no evil, see no evil, speak. I mean, hear no evil. Like, some people think that's grace. 
Some people think, ah, doesn't matter. I don't see adultery. Not there. Not in my life. Not in my book. I don't see any sin. That's not in my business. Me? You want me to say something? That's not my place. I'm in my island boat of Christianity. No one is going to mess with this vibe. Don't tell me what truth is. Just tell me good things. Itchy ears. Just tell me what I want to hear. Don't confront me on anything. Who are you? That's not grace. Grace comes with accountability. Grace says, no, go and sin no more. Like, grace says, no, there's a, there's a responsibility on you now. Like, I put my name on you. I put my blessings on you. Now go walk it out. Go live it out. Like, I didn't call you to just see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing. What's the point of that? Call you to change the world. How are you going to change the world in your little island? What's the point? If that was the point, I would have saved you and shipped you up. Beam him up, Scotty. You got a live one. No, grace has accountability. The goal of accountability is to reach your full potential. That's why God puts us in communities. That's why God doesn't believe in, in isolated Christianity. Because isolated Christianity, you don't grow. When you're isolated, it's just about what you're thinking and what you want and how you feel and what you care about. It's not about the community and the people around you to question some of those things. Right? That's why some people don't come to church. They're like, oh, I don't need to go to church. To have this. It's like, no, no, no. You don't want accountability. You don't want to grow. You just want to create your own little thing and call it, it's not Christianity, it's meanity. Because grace has accountability to it. Look what the Bible says when it comes to this. Galatians chapter 6, look. The Bible says, dear brothers and sisters, if anyone, if any, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I didn't say it. I'm just a messenger. Right? But if I'm serious about God, I have to wrestle with grace and truth. It can't just be one or the other. The moment someone asks you a question and you flip out and you leave the church, it's like, were you ever part of it? How do you say you have a pastor and you don't submit? How? How can God bless you when the word is being preached and you're doing your own thing on the side? It's just common sense. It's just common sense. That the Bible says if we really want God's will, we have to submit to his word and his truth. And that sometimes we have to be confronted. It's the only way we're going to grow. You see people doing their thing and they'll avoid leadership. One of the things we have to do as leaders is pretend we're naive. <laughs> I do it all the time. Oh, I don't think... I, I don't say, see it. 
But I have to pretend I'm naive because I don't want to police anybody. I don't want to babysit anybody. I want to pastor people who want to grow in Jesus Christ, who want to grow in his church. So people think I'm dumb all the time. Uh, uh, uh. I'm just a pastor. I have no idea what's going on. Oh, no, I have no idea you're fornicating. No, no, no. Just a pastor. Just a guy that shows up on Sunday morning to give you good vibes. It's my job. We have to be naive. We have to pretend we don't know all the time. Because we don't want to be that, we don't want to be the Pharisees. What are you doing? I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I was telling my wife the other day, my, I'm always open to talk to anybody who wants to talk, but I don't want to go proud and pride on your life and figure out what you're doing when you're not doing. That, that's, that's babysitting. Anybody who wants to grow will stow up and say, Pastor, I'm thinking about this, or I'm, I'm thinking about dating this person, and I'm going through this, and, and I'm doing this, and Pastor, what are you thinking? What does other leaders think? Like, we want accountability. We want to grow. We want to be the man and the woman of God. We don't want to have one life in church, another one life somewhere else. I want to be for real about this thing. Not pretend. Like, you shouldn't have to, like, hide stuff when the pastor's around. That's weird. The pastor's just a man trying to wrestle with grace and truth in his own life, in his own marriage, in his own parenting. This stuff is real, people. I play in church, you know, but I keep pretending because to me, it's like I don't want to babysit. I'm not going to be that guy to come and ask 21 questions because people want to grow. Step up. I remember when my relationship with Pastor Steve changed is when I stepped up. He was always my pastor, but when I stepped up and said, you know what, I don't want it to be just a Sunday thing. I want him to be in my life. It's when I reached out to him and said, no, I have to meet with you. I have to tell you what's going on. I need you to be in my life. And today we have one of the greatest relationships that I have with anybody outside of my parents. I have a man of God who is over me, who is for me, and he blesses me, and he helps me. And I'm not saying everybody has to have that with the pastor. I'm saying there's got to be people in your life. Because there's 800 people. I can't be there for 800 people. It's impossible. But I'm saying, like, that's why we have people to do life together so we can reach our full potential. This is not about condemnation and judgment, what you're doing. It's about growth, man. It's about living to your full potential. Come on, I got one more. Here's another misconception. I'm just a sinner. That might be true, but it's partially true. Because he said, I'm a, you're a sinner that I saved to become a saint. You may not be there yet, but you're on your way. I didn't call you to just stay stagnant in your sin. I called you to overcome. You know, Jesus healed a blind man. And he left. When he caught up with the blind man again, here's what he said to him. It's powerful. Look, Jesus said, but afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. Good vibes, y'all. <laughs> he said, no, now you are well, so stop sinning. Or something even worse may happen to you. My God. That's, that's cute Jesus with the blue eyes and beautiful shampooed hair <laughs> talking about... 
Sin will mess you up. Sin will mess you up. He doesn't set you free to stay there. He sets you free to move forward with life and become everything God created you to be. There's a tension there between grace and truth. It's not one or the other. They go together. As I end, I want to bring you back to the story of the adulterous woman. How does it end with that tension? Watch this. He says, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Jesus said, neither do I. That's grace. Go and sin no more. That's truth. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's both. So I end with this. Go to my last slide. Grace does not condemn, but saves. For God so loved the world that he wants to save anyone who would come to him, who would accept his gift. Truth does not condone, but convicts. There's a life that we need to live, we're called to live, and sometimes there are things in it that need to be convicted so we can fully reach our potential in the Lord. We're not going to reach our full potential if all we do is claim grace and not truth. And we're not going to be God's people if all we do is speak the truth with no grace. We have to live in that tension of both every day. And it's not all black and white. It's difficult situations, having difficult conversations sometimes. But man, I pray that our hearts is to get God's heart so we don't miss it. Because so it's easy for me to do what's easy for me to do. No, I want to do God's will. And there's a challenge there to, to live in God's will. There's changes that need to happen to live in God's will. There's transformation that needs to happen to live in God's will. So as I conclude, you guys can come up. I want to leave you with some things to think about. Grace and truth. You don't have to be perfect to be faithful. Like, we need to drop that excuse of I'm not perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be, to be faithful. You just have to be faithful. You don't have to be perfect to, to not live in sin. That's a choice. We're all sinners, but living in sin is a choice. Jesus sets you free. To live above the level of sin and mediocrity. And here's a tough one. There's a difference between personal convictions and biblical convictions. There's a difference. At some point, if I'm serious about Jesus, I have to ask the question, okay, I believe this, but what do you say, God? Because there's a lot of things that I believe that was wrong. There was a lot of things in my life over the years, still, still is. I still have to go here, and this is my real mirror. Because the man in the mirror is a liar sometimes. Come on, you ever lie to yourself? You ever justify things and make you believe something that you shouldn't believe? You know the Bible says even your heart can deceive you? You know that? It says if your heart is not in tune with God, you can deceive yourself. You can do things and say things that God doesn't co-sign on. Like if you're married and you're contemplating an affair because your feelings are there. Don't you know your feelings is a liar? The devil would love to destroy your marriage. It would love to destroy your family. Don't you know some people this morning was lied to by the, by the, by the awesome feelings. They said uh, you shouldn't go to church today. 
You can't even rely on your feelings. You have to rely on God's word. You have to rely on what he says. But I love him, yes. But what does it say? He said, love him, then let him put a ring on it. Become one, as he said to become one. At some point, we're going to have to decide. Is it me? Is it society? Because there's a lot of things society says illegal, but God says not in my book. There's a lot of things society says that's a go. God says that's a no. I have to decide. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to his will. You're not saying yes to a Sunday morning thing. You're saying yes to a lifestyle. A lifestyle of grace and truth. And we miss the mark, but we keep going. And we keep pushing. And we keep believing. And we keep working on it. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace is available to everyone. For God so loved the world. He loves the world. You know, one of the things that's happening in the world, it's too bad. Our, our news is not news anymore. But can, can I give you some real news? Today, there are more, and, and we mean thousands upon thousands of Muslims becoming Christians in the world right now. And you know what's happening? They say the common denominator, why? In these places that are very difficult, because God loves the world, remember that. Syria, Iran, Iraq, Yemen, tough places that you can get your head chopped off for believing in Jesus. They're saying they're coming to Jesus by the thousands. Why? Because they believe in dreams. And Jesus has been revealing himself through dreams. And they're like, how do we interpret these dreams? They go to scriptures, and now they're like, wow, that's the same God that spoke to me in my dreams. And then they have to make a decision. Do I live for Jesus and be very uncomfortable, or do I stay in a lie? You may not live in the Middle East. But you live in the United States of America, you have to figure out, do I live for the lies of society or do I live for the truth of Jesus Christ and his will for my life? We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.